And hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly. This is Adventures in Woo Woo. In this episode, I want to talk a bit about what I think magic is. So welcome to wonderful uh, outside uh, here in Ireland. Not in the office for a change. Still going to do the black and white thing because it's what I like. Even though it means that half the amount of people who watch these videos will watch it. And that's just the nature of these things. But because the views have come way down and things have all gone way down recently, I kind of just decided that I'm going to do whatever I want rather than trying to chase, chase stats or chase kind of viewers or whatever. It doesn't really matter. The whole point of this was just to document what's going on in my brain anyway, so let's just continue at that. I will warn you though, that this is probably going to be a bit rambly and a bit probably incoherent at times, because what I try to do, or what I'm going to attempt to do in this, is try and work out exactly what I do think around this. And what I find that it oftentimes it takes me saying stuff out loud for um, my thoughts to become somewhat coherent, or at least it'll point to the bits that need a bit more work, or a bit unrefined, or a bit, probably a bit crap. Or uh, don't actually make sense. So, uh, magic. With a K, without a K. I really like Grant Morrison's spelling of it with uh, an apostrophe. <laughs> I might start doing that. Over the last while, over the last number of years, I would say I started really getting into chaos magic. Um, having come from a new age, very much a new age kind of background, where my big people that I was interested in, one of them very much one of the biggest influences in my life, general is Stuart Wilde, who was a hugely successful New Age author in the kind of 80s, possibly early 90s, um, that just fell off the face of the planet. Um, to most people, like he was, he was really big news. Wayne Dyer did uh, introductions to his books, they were best friends, he was on all that tour together with, you know, that New Age circuit. And he just fell out of favour. Um, mostly, I think, because he, 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 he went a bit dark. And then a set really towards the end of his, his books, he got really, really odd. <laughs> People say it was drugs. People say it was alcohol. Possibly just his shadow. But his early works were really formative for me. Really le led to kind of a groundwork for an awful lot of stuff that came later. He wouldn't necessarily say it was chaos magic. In fact, he definitely probably wouldn't. But uh, some of the stuff that's in The Quickening, his book The Quickening, and The Force definitely lend itself to the chaos magic paradigm. And I've talked about that on the, on the blog years ago. I'll link to those posts in the description. So having come from that, I kind of got into... I was looking for something, I don't know, because the whole law of attraction stuff or the New Age stuff, the promise of the New Age, of the gloriousness of having everything you ever wanted, everything revealed, that you are a child of the universe, that God indeed has <laughs> chosen you to have everything you want because you just have to think positively about it or put it out there around other things. Turned out that doesn't happen. That didn't work. And I was becoming very disillusioned with life, very disillusioned with spirituality, very disillusioned in general. And as well as that whole thing of I had been following my bliss and doing everything as I've been told to do that you have to do to become successful or whatever it is. And it, it, it equally fell on the universe's deaf ears, or so it all seems anyway. Um, and there was a lot of struggle mentally, physically, financially, all of these type of things. And what kind of things kind of changed a bit for me when I saw the infamous Grant Morrison disinfo lecture where he talks about sigils, 
where he screams like a banshee, where he talks about drugs, where he lists a number of names of people that you could follow up on if you wanted to. Pretty sure that's how I got to Robert Adam Wilson. I had known Crowley previously. Um, he talks about Julian Jaynes, which I've never read, but that book is, uh, has come up again because I've decided I'm going to read all 100 books of the David Bowie Top 100 books, and that's one of them. Um, Origins of Consciousness, I think it's called, and the Bicentinal Mind. Um, and this whole idea of sigils, which I hadn't really come across before, although it didn't feel like new tech either. It was something that I obviously had, um, that had trickled down in some way, uh, trickle occultism in some way down into me. So um, I did some sigils, and that, to my shock and horror, <laughs> they worked to a point. I always say it's about six out of ten. Six out of ten sigils or six out of ten any type of magic works for me. Way higher if I don't care about the thing and I don't actually care right away whether the thing happens or not. Way less if I do care about it. Which seems a bit useless, to be quite honest. That you can't have anything you want. You can only have things you don't want. To a certain extent. And that led then on to, I found RuneSoup. Which was, you know, if you Google... I think even to this day, if you Google sigils, you're going to get that infamous or famous, whatever way you want to look at it, RuneSip post, where he talks about robofish and shoals. Well, that was terribly exciting. And, I, you know, they really did devour the RuneSip um, page. This is about 2010, I'm saying, probably maybe, you know, it has to be earlier, because in one of my comics, I talk about sigils and hyper sigils and Grant Morrison. And I think that's maybe 2006, 2007, 2008. But sometime then, but I'm pretty sure RuneSip doesn't come out till about 2009 to 2010, so I don't know. My timeline is quite sketchy. I know the um, Baptist Headboys were doing it at that point, but I didn't come across them until much later. But the timeline, as I remember it then, anyway, is Grant Morrison, RuneSip. I really got into that, and there's kind of, there's a very much, even back in those days, there's very much a mindset that is involved with RuneSip, RuneSip and very, there's a paradigm, and there's an outlook in the world. And while I didn't completely buy it at all, um, I I allowed myself to kind of look at the world through the lens of those, that kind of outlook. You know, it was interesting. It was different. It was exciting. You know, you could, it was back to kind of feeling you could have everything you want, I suppose, in some ways. And then started reading Lieber Null, Psychonaut, Lieber Chaos, some Phil Hines, some Ramsey Jukes, and all the things that you read when you get into Chaos Magic. Joined CMG, became an admin of CMG. All of these things kind of unfolded. Then I found Alan Chapman, Advanced Magic for Beginners, which led me to the Baptist Head stuff, Blood of the Saints, The Urn and Desert of Roses, the three books that were a collection of their blog posts and their journey from chaos magic to essentially to, I suppose, enlightenment, um, or whatever word is, is the best word there, awakening, realization, whatever. And I think as much as I admire all of that stuff and um, it was a huge influence on me and stuff like that, I think it's at that point I kind of make a wrong decision about what magic is. And I take on board what other people say about magic rather than what I intuit about magic, what I feel magic is and what, how it seems to express through me. And of all the kind of insights I've had around kind of spirituality or awakening and all of these things, have always kind of been a notion of I knew this but had for, not necessarily forgotten it but didn't allow myself to believe it because the external world wasn't backing that up or agreeing with it or acquiescing to it or allowing it, that in some way that for something to be true had to be um, 
validate it from an external source. And that's come through certain much from say, childhood experiences, family dynamics, school dynamics, authority dynamics, where I had essentially and almost completely um, handed over my truth to external sources, to authority, to people who shouted the loudest, to, to anger. It came to the point that if I wanted something to be true, I had to convince an authority figure that it was true and therefore it was allowable, my truth. And if I couldn't do that, then it wasn't true, even though a huge part of me believed it on a fundamental level, the truthness of it. So I wasn't able to kind of manifest my truth in the world, even though it was there. It didn't really matter what I thought, or didn't, truth didn't matter. What mattered was authority, and whoever was the authority, whoever's voice was the angriest, or the loudest, or most controlling, or violent, or had the most authority, they decided what was true. And you can still see that in, in the world in many, many ways. And I think it's one of the things that we do have battled with, is we're handing over truth to an external ideas, external parties. Be it, a, it used to be, say, the church, then to the government, then to political ideas, then to celebrities, to anything kind of external. And there's a directionality in that. And I think an awful lot of this, what I want to talk about magic is this kind of directionality, where it's kind of going that way, from here out. And that's the first version of it, the shit version of it. Alan Chapman said to me, and it's Change my, change my world. The shit version is what comes first. And you can get stuck there and you can dismiss, dismiss that because that's what you think the entirety of it is. And then you kind of give up on something because you get the shit version first. When I was seeing that, then what happens is then when you're kind of presented with the kind of meditation, uh, Daniel Ingram, Baptist Head, Brad Warner, the Zen stuff and all that where it's rather than, and, and to the New Age stuff uh, as well, there's this externality, which is the direction that you're going, because you're looking for truth out there, because ex truth is external, and only allowable by authority. And so you have to switch the thing back to internal, to you. So that's what you do in meditation. It becomes introspective. It becomes, what are you thinking? Rather than the world out there trying to tell you what it is, you have a look at what you think it is. And I think the problem um, with that, for me, and for, entirely for me, because I want to make a point now that no one should get hung up on anyone else's definition of magic. I think you really have to find your own. I think that's part of the path. I think that's part of the journey. And getting stuck in someone else's definition um, of what magic is for you is, again, part of this um, giving truth to an external source. And it's not so my point is don't believe what magic is for me because it probably isn't for you. It's going to be different for everyone. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. Or at least your kind of aesthetic of it or your kind of dress up of it. It may or not be an underlying thing. Who knows? Who knows what way this all works? Um, so this introspection, the kind of inway, the turning inway, and then associating that with magic rather than external. We kind of have the kind of dichotomy of low magic, high ma magic, which is a kind of a, I don't know, it, it seems a bit of an elitist type thing where it was people who were into this magic would designate it. The other thing is low magic rather than a proper split or a divide. I think it's all part of it. But the mistake I made then is thinking that that's what magic was. It's the introspection. It's to go this directionality back to the heart, which I think is a, a necessary part of the journey, but I don't think it's what magic is. And what happened then, because I had felt that, and given the designation of magic, is this inward 
introspective trajectory or, or movement that I allowed the world to do whatever it wanted and I didn't have any say in it. So I wasn't in any way imposing my will on the world. I was allowing the world to happen to me because it was kind of my sense that if it's a case that um, I sort out all of this, then the world will reflect, the world around me will reflect my wisdom or my understanding or reward me in some way for having worked it out or done some stuff. I mean, that's not the case. That's another trap. And it kind of disenchants the world because it's part of that whole thing of thinking the external thing is the false thing. Uh, it's the, you know, the thing to escape from the world to the matrix, the wall, you know, the thing that's been pulled over your eyes, all of those kind of, kind of things that are, and, you know, big into spiritual bypassing areas at that point. But anyway, this kind of introspection I work became is that it took magic, this amazing force of chaos, potentiality, creation, and sterilized it and disenchanted it and made the whole experience of it the most mundane, boring version of magic you could possibly imagine. A really dry, lifeless, boring magic, where it became about introspection, spiritual wankery, and um, not doing anything. You know, it became like almost stationary. That's the directionality. Starting out there, going this way, and stopping. Drying up. Disenchantment. And I think the kind of goal or the seeking of awakening and liberation, which is, again, because this world isn't, this is the thing to escape. This is the big sin. This is, you know, this is the jail, remember. That's, that, that's caused an awful lot of hurt, sadness, and depression. Yeah, I had a lot of that before it started. But there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go there. So here we are. Here I was. And this year, um, I suppose, this year was probably the worst mental health year I've ever had in my life. I'd say this for an awful lot of people. I think, like, coming from the last couple of years into um, the war in Ukraine, um, it seems to have had more of a toll on people. It certainly has more of a toll than anything in the last while. And constant barrage of things are about to get way worse. And I mean, like, can't even cope with any of these things. Can't even cope with what happened with two years ago. Never mind how shit the future's going to be. And I was kind of got stuck and I said, nowhere to go. And having done the therapy and all of that and working on myself and the shadow work and all that, it's just the directionality was still going backwards. It was going backwards towards something. And uh, any experiences I've ever had of our insight or whatever, like, even though it was the remembrance of something that, and then to allow myself, it had a different directionality. And that's the thing that changed for me about what I think about magic. And the directionality of magic is outwards. It's expansive. It's ejaculatory. It's um, creation. It's movement. It's the exact opposite of what you're doing when you're meditating, which is the directionality towards your inner self or your introspection. And... The one way I can kind of describe it is that I do think the meditation is important. I think the introspection is very important. I think it's, but I think it's secondary to the magic in the way that I think music theory is very important. I think learning the notes, uh, learning how to read music possibly, or learning this kind of structure of music is really important. It's not the fucking music though, right? And, uh, but it informs the music. It allows you to create greater music. It allows you to understand and appreciate the wonders of music, but it's not music. 
and I think an awful lot, again, I'm talking purely for me, your mileage may vary, and I'm assuming it will, all of the meditation, all of the introspection, all of the shadow work, the binding, all of these things is the equivalent of music theory, and it's not the music. It's, it's, if you want, possibly magic theory, but it's not the magic. The magic is in creation. The magic is within, not running away from the world, but creating the world. It's the co-creative effort of you and God, or whatever way you want to look at it, the divine and the son of the divine. Because I certainly have the sense, and it was what was told to me when the divine arrived, and of course I had to ignore it because it wasn't what other people told me was true, is that the relationship of the divine to me is a father and son relationship. When you get caught up, I suppose, in the non-duality stuff, and you're just all as one as whatever, is it? It's not my experience of it. It's not how I feel of it. I can have a non-dual experience, but I don't think it's the totality of it. There's a kind of a, I don't want to say a separation because that's the absolute wrong word. There's something in it. Um, And I think it's to do with the mystery of why this magic is expansion and creativity and potentiality and that way. And so, having noticed that I've missed completely what magic is. I'm trying to re-enchant my life and um, to do the things that are actually magic. Because, because it's all too easy to use your, and I've done it, which is why I can say it, to use your meditation and your high magic to escape the world, to pretend it doesn't exist, that it's not important, that our real inheritance is somewhere else. Your reward will be great in heaven, that this is a thing to endure, and instead what it is, it's the co-creation of moving out and making this the world, rather than just being the prison. Making this, you know, enchanting the world, making the, the world moving forward. And it's part of, like, theosophy is very much like that, which is, it's very different from an awful lot of the kind of New Age stuff or other philosophies that, have, you know, a lot of the kind of occult philosophies are a bit, in a sense, nihilistic, not totally, but there is a, a kind of wanting to endings, you know, that they have this over to escape. I don't want to escape. I love it here. I think it's a shame what's happening to it. I think it's terribly sad that there's a huge and possibly total chance that all of this is going away because of people who have power and tyrants and shadow. And I think to kind of um, blame that on the entirety of humanity is very unfair and also not true. Most people just want to live their lives, be left alone, do their things, enjoy their children, enjoy their family, enjoy their passions. And it's really come to light over, I suppose, over the last couple of years, how much, in a sense, not in a sense, in a totality way, totality way how little power we have where there's a fundamental... I don't, I don't get dangerously into the 12 men in a room who secretly want run the world, but... Um, I am so many things, cliches are cliches because they're true. I certainly have no say in the world in the way Putin has a say in the world, um, in the way um, Trump has a say in the world, or, or whoever these people with exceptional power. Um, <laughs> it's just massively unhinged. Um, so, yeah, magic. Magic is how we make the world and the universe and creation more expansive, greater. It's how we learn. It's the answer to Job. Um, magic is not, for me, meditation. 
it's not introspection. It's not taking the greatest kind of movement and emasculating it. It's possibly the wrong word, being that it's probably it's Shakti rather than Shiva. But to sterilize it, let's say, to disenchant it and to make it make to make it all about you in one way, like to bring it back this way or whatever. I will wrap up with this because I'm just going to be going around in circles and uh, we're already at nearly 25 minutes. But uh, our goal here, my goal here, I'll speak only for myself, is to um, change, to change things, to add to the sum total. And perhaps it's all for naught, my all futile attempt. But that's what magic's for. Magic is for creation in conformity with will. And uh, it's mine I'm going to pursue. I'm going to re-enchant my world and stop listening to what other people tell me or demand what magic is. In, like, uh, not, I don't think they're doing it uh, in, a, in a negative, violent, horrible self. I think that is their understanding of magic. But just because someone understands something or presents it in such a way or has it in such a way, and that's their experience of it, doesn't mean it's your experience of it. And I think the kind of feel that we're all experiencing magic in the same way, I don't think it's true. I'm certainly, certainly not experiencing magic in the way some of my friends are. Just, just not. It's just not the same thing. And I, I've, possibly, I've thought about that before. Maybe it's the whole idea of the different rays or the different chains that people are on. You know, a bit like a, a role-playing game where someone's a druid, someone's a mage, someone's a barbarian. So they're all going to experience magic differently. Barbarian, not so much. Um, a mage, a bit more mystically whatever um, yeah so let's as I always turn this over to you without resorting to someone else's def- definition without using someone else's words without using any sort of vocabulary experience or understanding that came externally from you be that a book a person film, movie, whatever it is, wherever these influences are, have a think and have a deep kind of allow it to bloom and come for you and tell me what magic is for you. And you'll probably have to ask yourself first because there is part of you that will know it and then there's a part of you that immediately comes in and uh, pigeons hold it, delineates it, kind of puts it in the box of what we've been told. So, yeah. I don't know. That seems very unsuccessful in what I wanted to talk about, but I did know, did know it was going to be rambly, and I did know that um, it will help me work out further. So maybe there's more to come in this or whatever. And uh, yeah, to all three people who've got this far, who listened to it, thanks very much. And please do answer that question. I do want to know what magic is for you before the other voices tell you what it is. Um, including mine. Like, I mean, I've defined magic and said what it is, and I'm, I'm totally wrong. Or at least right now, I feel that I've been totally wrong. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Good people of the internet. Until next time, may, may you bloom. May the rose in your heart that is magic bloom, widen, and uh, shine. And may our best days be ahead. And I can't stress that enough. There is a good chance there could be. So be well.